Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love. It is me, TJ Jackson, and I am with Taj Jackson, my brother. Uh, this is a show that we do weekly, of course, sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. Uh, we believe that through the power of love, everything is possible. We are live on Facebook and YouTube, and eventually this will be a podcast as well. But if you are watching us live, feel free to join us, mm -hmm. ask questions. We have a, a special guest with us who is actually a psychologist, a licensed psychologist. If you've been watching us, you know that we always say we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and have learned from it. And if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Do not just rely on us. That is our normal disclaimer. And it still stands, of course. But this is an exciting show because we have a doctor with us who is licensed and who did do the proper uh, education and went through everything and, and is practicing. So we invite again, you guys to ask questions on, on, you know, anything that's been on your mind, anything you would like to know the answer to, especially related to COVID. Cause we are, you know, we're, we're doing this show calling it coping with COVID because there's so much uncertainty out there and there's so many different things going on that we feel you know, there's many, in, even in our community, that, that can need some help and guidance. So, Taj, did I hit everything pretty much in that intro just now? Yeah, pretty much, yes. Okay. Anything you want to add? Uh, not right now, no. Okay. So, again, for all of our uh, continuous watchers and viewers and supporters, you know that we've been going back and forth whether we talk about our weeks or not. But this one, I think we do need to talk about because Todd Jackson, it was your birthday yesterday. Yes. H happy, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I guess I turned 47. I had to do the math to figure out, but yeah. 47. <laughs> well, you know, you still look like you're 27, Todd. So, you know, I was, I was thinking, can I rib you or can I make fun of you at all? But there's no making fun. You actually still look well, very young. So it's interesting because I don't feel that at all. Like, you know, and I used to, when, as a kid, of course, you think that's like ancient, you know, you think that's old and stuff like that. But once I hit like the twenties and stuff like that, I still feel very young and I still act very young, obviously. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember my age. It's almost one of those things that I have to kind of remind myself of. Well, yeah. here, here's a reminder for you from Daniela. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of reminders in that way. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, we just, obviously because of COVID and all that stuff, you can't, you're not celebrating it with a lot of people or anything. So it's just me, Tayana, and Taylor. And um, I like to have it chill anyway, you know. Yeah. Maybe for my 50th, I'll have a big blowout or something. Well, uh, Toria mentioned something else that's important is congrats mm. on the amount you raised for the foundation. Oh, yeah. the Well, they raised, yeah, for me, yeah. The community. And Taj, is that that link is still active, right? I think yeah, it lasts an extra week. I for, um, I, maybe for a couple more days. I don't know if I put it for longer, but I did definitely put it past my birthday. But, yeah, the link is still. Um, so I'm extremely thankful for everyone that donated because, as you know, it helps the foundation and 
allows us to do what we can do in terms of helping others. Sweet. I love it. So again, if you want to donate to the foundation and do it in honor of Taj's birthday, you can go to Facebook and his actual profile. He's not going to know the actual profile, but I think I've reshared it. I think Taj has reshared it and the foundation has reshared it. So go ahead and make a donation uh, that way. Yeah, if you can. Okay, cool, Taj. There's no sense talking about my week. It was a regular week. Uh, And we have too good of a guest that we need to get to. So today on the Power of Love show, we are honored to welcome Dr. Adrian Meyer to discuss coping during COVID. Dr. Meyer is a licensed psychologist in California and New York, specializing in clinical forensic psychology and neuropsychology. She completed her clinical residency at New York University's Bellevue Hospital and her postdoctoral fellowship at City of Hope Medical Center. Dr. Meyer is currently in private practice where she works with clients in therapy on managing depression and anxiety-related issues, including overthinking, perfectionism, and imposter syndrome. Please welcome to the Power of Love show, Dr. Adrienne Meyer. Yes. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Meyer. Uh, Obviously, this is a show about coping you know, with COVID and during this, this crazy time that, that we are in. But before we start on that, I I have a quick question. What is imposter syndrome? I've never heard that term. Imposter syndrome is specifically just the concept of not feeling like you are competent in whatever it is you're doing. So people get their degrees in whatever field and they feel like an imposter, like they shouldn't be there or they Mm. do very prestigious, you know, PhD program, and they feel like they shouldn't be there. They don't deserve to be there. Wow. Mm. And, and I see how that can correlate with perfectionism and overthinking and and all those kind of self-inflicted hold back kind of things we do to ourselves that can lend itself. Uh, we, we talk about it all the time. Uh, and, and again, since you, I have you here, I got to ask you this question because I grew up as a perfectionist. We used to be on stage and, you know, we still go on stage, but we, my brother and I, we used to be on stage and have different approaches to how we would review our shows. You know, I was that perfectionist who, if we missed a spot or or didn't do something, it would eat me up and it would actually affect the rest of my night where Todd is contrary, where he would hit the stage. If there was a mistake, it left him pretty quickly. So, I've learned that I think his method is the better and healthier way to approach things, but I just wanted to know if you wanted to chime in on 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 that whole process and and who's right and who's wrong and and what you would advise for for us. And no feelings will be hurt, so please. Well, I certainly wouldn't say someone is right or wrong because I don't think that any of us wants to get hung up on the one small thing we messed up on, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just not a pleasant experience to have this running and replaying in our minds. That's not something that we enjoy. Um, But in terms of what's most beneficial for being able to move forward and do well for the remainder of the performance, it's more helpful if we can look past whatever small mistake we've made, right? Because we're humans, we're all going to mess up. That's just what we do. And if we can accept that and roll with it, we usually have a better outcome than if we get stuck on the small thing. That's when you see people 
sort of freeze on stage, right? They messed up something and then they got really focused on whatever it is they messed up on and then they just totally freeze. It just it takes them out of the moment altogether. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Okay. So here we go. Before talking about COVID and everything related to COVID, uh, again, to our community, if you have any questions for Dr. Meyer, please feel free to ask. We will, whether it's myself or Taj, we'll look through them mm -hmm. and ask them. We will be your mediators. Is that right? Hosts? So, I don't know. Taj? <laughs> Taj, Taj should know. Okay. So before we start, before I ask you my first COVID-related question, I would like to know what inspired you to go into the mental health field of work. And um, what, what, what was it that made you want to you know, choose a career in helping others? It's a great question. Growing up, I moved around a lot. And so I was exposed to a lot of different kinds of um, environments and a lot of different types of people and personalities. And I think that I was always just struck by the fact that one thing was universal and that was suffering. Like no matter who it was, they experienced suffering in the same way, regardless of where they came from, regardless of their socioeconomic status, race. I mean, it might look a little bit different, the suffering, but mm -hmm. everyone suffers to some extent. And I think I was just from a really young age was really fascinated with this idea of suffering. So I was probably an odd child in that I, typically read books about the Holocaust and cancer, um, people dying of cancer when I was like in elementary school. I don't know that that's what elementary school students usually read, but um, so I think I, I wanted to go into a profession where I could help alleviate some of that suffering or at least normalize it because I think we're really hard on ourselves for not seeming to have it all together and to not be happy or content all the time. Mm. And I think that's what led me to wanting to pursue a career in this field. Wonderful. Okay. So you have a, a post on your, and I'm trying to simultaneously put this up. So here's your Instagram profile at Dr. Meyer. That's D R M E I E R for those of you who may be listening on the podcast, but you have a very detailed post on your Instagram account at Dr. Meyer about proactive steps to coping dur during COVID, including limiting exposure to news and focusing on what you can control. What would you suggest are the three most proactive things we can do to protect our mental health as we enter month five, I think, of this month five, yeah, month five of this pandemic. What do you suggest we do? Yeah, these are such great questions. And I do have a, as you're saying, a post on my Instagram, and I have even more resources on my website of how to cope. But honestly, one of the most important things to do is to focus on ourselves and our own mental health, because this is month five, as you're saying, right? And I don't know that at the beginning of this, any of us expected it to be quite so long. I think we all at least initially thought we could just hunker down and it would go away, sort of like SARS or Ebola, right? It just will disappear and we'll, we'll go back to normal. Um, and unfortunately, that's not what's happening. So finding ways to focus on ourselves and make sure we're taking care of ourselves is ultimately the most important thing, which would be like eating well, like sleeping, right? Not overusing substances. I mean, all of these things are easy to do and neglect when we don't have structure or routine 
We can't do the normal things that we would usually do to take care of ourselves. No workout classes in a physical location. Yeah. Like that. It's, it's been tough. I mean, for me, I've, I've gained a lot of weight. Uh, I, I just feel out of sync a bit, you know, and I don't even like to complain because truthfully, you know, with the whole thing, everything that's going on, I, I, I've been blessed. I, I, I can't complain. You know, no one I know has been sick and I haven't, I should say no one in my immediate family has been sick. There's been many I've known that has, has gotten COVID, but for me and in my personal family, we've all been healthy, so I can't complain. But like I said, I feel so out of sync. So Kalia has a question, which I think is, I can very much relate to. And that is from dealing with quarantine and feeling isolated. It's been hard to have the motivation to get out of bed and just to just move around. Do you have any advice about dealing with these feelings during this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think those are really normal feelings because to some extent, all of us have had days like that. And some people have had more days like that than not. Um, and the weird thing is to deal with that is often how we would deal with depression. And that is opposite action. So right now your brain is saying, you don't want to, you don't want to get out of bed, right? Like, what's the point? What are you, what are you going to do anyways? You're just going to sit and watch TV. You're going to just sit. What is the point of getting out of bed? But the point of getting out of bed is you're not going to feel any better by laying in bed. There's nothing that you're going to do in bed all day that will make you feel better and elevate your mood and um, change your mindset. And so when I say opposite action, basically you have to force yourself, um, which is easier said than done. Um, but basically making yourself get up and doing something that makes you feel better. Um, because just like depression, it's the same where our brains tell us we don't want to do something. So we stop doing all the things that make us feel good. And the result is we actually just feel worse because now we've stopped all these fun, pleasurable activities, even if it's just reading a book, getting a cup of coffee, watching our favorite show, any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned depression and for people who are prone to depression or anxiety, um, who may be experiencing more severe symptoms during COVID, what would you suggest they do to manage it during this time? Would you recommend starting with the therapist now or potentially, like potentially on Zoom or Skype, or would you wait so you can meet them in person before that very first visit? Yeah, obviously in person is always preferred, but at this rate, I mean, who knows how long someone will be waiting, right? Yeah. We don't know. There are some people that are meeting with clients in person, and you might be able to find someone to see in person even right now, but having some sort of social support and someone to lean on and help you deal with these negative thoughts and manage the symptoms is essential, especially right now, because we don't have the same social networks that we usually do. We don't have the same outlets, right? Um, our routines are all mixed up. We're all thrown off. So getting into therapy would be a crucial um, action to take in order to improve the symptoms of anxiety or depression. We have a great question from Michael uh, Rubenstein. Uh, from my wife getting a double dose of Corona, how can I help her realize she won't get it again? Because she is scared. 
I keep telling her she won't get it again, that she is strong. Uh, any advice for Michael, who is is being an amazing support to his wife and just trying to help her stay positive during this difficult time? Yeah. Well, Michael, it sounds like your wife is strong and she's already survived Corona once, right? And I think, um, of course, it, it reassures her if you tell her she won't get it again, but she doesn't believe that, right? Because Corona is scary and I'm sure it was miserable to have Corona. Um, so helping her to realize she already beat it once. If she got it again, she would just beat it again. Mm. Uh, and in fact, her body has anti some antibodies at least. So if she mm. did get it again, probably wouldn't be near as worse as it was the last time. Yeah. Um, so, and the reason that I'm saying it that way is because this is a really common approach we use in therapy, which is called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is we look at the thought and how it makes us feel and then we actually need to give evidence for and against the thought. So like in this instance, the thought is I could get COVID again, right? And that's re really scary. But if we look at the evidence, she's already had it once and she beat it. So in, for her, COVID's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. She knows she can survive it. She's got antibodies now. It'll be way easier the next time. And just kind of yeah. balancing a thought like that can be really helpful alleviate the symptoms okay another question from sienna what would you say to people that feel like they're not sick enough or ill enough to get therapy although they feel they need it this is a fantastic question because i think the best time to get therapy is when you don't feel sick or ill like things are kind of okay right because mm -hmm. once it gets to the point where someone is like desperately needs therapy Right. That's, of course, still helpful, but it would have been nice if we could have been proactive and intervened before the person had to suffer so much. Mm. Um, yeah. And we can all benefit from therapy. I mean, I go to therapy and I wouldn't call myself ill or sick um, because we can learn a lot about ourselves and how to just deal with the life stressors, especially in this really weird time. Nice. I, I, I love that response because to me, growing up, you know, 20 years ago when I was younger, 20, 30 years ago. I was going to say, yeah, 20 years oh, geez, ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember therapists or the, the term therapy had kind of a negative connotation to it where it was like something was wrong with you. So you go to therapy. And I feel like that is slowly changing. And, you know, I'm hearing, you know, people from Howard Stern to everyone that they, they, they started going to a therapist and, even if, like you said, they don't know something is wrong or, or don't think something's wrong, they go. And they say it's kind of a preventive thing. So it was good to hear it from you. Um, the same thing is that you recommend it go, people going before something even happens, right? Yes, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, Just want to make sure. Yeah, and even if um, someone's not going to manage stress or manage anxiety or depression, right, we can also learn how to improve our relationships how to improve our job performance. I mean, there's lots of research that even shows people who go to therapy actually make more money, um, actually increase their salary as a result of going to therapy because they learn how to be more emotionally intelligent. They learn how to interact better with others. They get promoted more. So it has pretty huge ramifications on, on life in general. Nice. Do you think the stigma will 
one day go away, will be gone, disappear completely? I think that it can. I, I honestly think part of the barrier is sometimes the way it's portrayed in the media. I mean, this is my beef with the media is almost every time you see something involving therapy, the therapist is going to have sex with their client or be inappropriate or just be terrible. Mm. Like that, or the person going to therapy is like very, very ill or clearly depicted that something is wrong with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so no one wants to be associated with that image. Mm -hmm. what, what do you say to people? Cause I used to be like this and Tiffany has a, uh, she says, I'm not open enough to talk to a therapist. And I used to feel the same way, you know, and that's one of the reasons when I think my brothers and I, we lost our mother. I was 16 years old and we all probably could have utilized the therapist. But for me, the main thing was I didn't, I, I didn't want to open up. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I would get anything by opening up. So what do you say to people who, who have this mentality of, I don't want to open up to a therapist or I don't want to open up? Mm -hmm. Or yeah, or even people that have trouble opening up. I know there's some folks who actually want to open up and they just don't know how, like it's not something they never done before. And my advice and response to that would be, it just takes practice, right? So trying it. Um, and therapy is an odd relationship because it's not like your medical doctor. You don't actually have to like your medical doctor. You just go see them once a year, once every couple of years, and they check things out and you leave. But a therapist, sometimes the issue with not being able to open up is because it's just not a good fit, right? Like if you don't feel comfortable with someone, you don't feel like there's a connection, they're not listening to you or they're judging you, it's probably not a great fit. And mm. so finding someone that you can connect with and you feel comfortable or at least as comfortable as you're going to be mm. opening up to someone is really important. So I tell everyone to shop around. Don't stick with the first person you meet unless it just feels like a really great fit. You want to, you want to shop. Love it. Yeah. Ebony wants to know, there are many who have lost their jobs and are unable to find work due to COVID-19. What advice would you give them to deal with their stress from this um, virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Corona has um, wreaked so much havoc on people in general and especially financially. And that is a really stressful situation if you're um, not sure about your financial future, right? There's a lot of uncertainty around it. So what I would recommend is to focus on what's in your control, right? And doing the things that you can do to improve whatever financial uncertainty there is um, because in general, we all benefit from whatever we can tangibly do and focus on and control. And in terms of losing jobs, right, it would be things like looking for new jobs, applying to new jobs, um, setting a budget, like very practical things so that it feels like you have some control and agency over what's happening and trying to find resources to help you. Hmm. Is there any type of resource or any resource outside of a therapy session that's quick and easy that you would suggest for someone? And I know I'm kind of setting you up <laughs> a bit, but is there anything that you found that you think would be even like a stroll outside or a nature stroll or something that you feel that can reset your mind and help you during these times in, in a quick manner? Absolutely. So just like you said, a quick stroll 
uh, getting into nature in general, if you can do that and maintain physical distance from other people, that's an excellent way to do it. Practicing any kind of meditation or mindfulness, even if it's just you know lighting a candle that smells nice and just unwinding for a few minutes. Um, journaling can be really helpful, especially if you journal about um, things you're grateful for. Like you were saying earlier, right? Corona is really hard, but your your family's healthy. You know, you can't complain in that department. So think, focusing on the things that are going okay and we can be thankful for. Um, and then, you know, yoga or any type of physical movement can be really helpful for just a laugh. Yeah, and and here's a question from the foundation: Is there any activity we should all be doing every day to protect our mental health? I think you've pretty much answered that. It would be the same answer, right? Yeah, Doctor Murray. Yeah, basically anything, any of those things that takes care of you. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, Patricia has a question: How do how do we help parents with stress of kids going back to school? Because this is a huge topic. Yep. Uh, you know, for for our kids, the school district, they want to know, are they coming to class? Are they going to be doing it virtually? Uh, we are deciding to do it homeschooling. So, but for those who may need to, you know, for work reasons, have kids in school, what do you do to help? What would you say to help parents who have the stress of their kids going back into school during this time? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a really stressful situation to think about your kids going back to school and the possible risk of exposure to coronavirus. And I mean, all of the things that go into sending kids back into that kind of environment. So I think it's exactly the same as what we would do with other, like the financial um, uncertainty, which is focusing on what we can control. Because to some extent, there is going to be risk for all of us in any activity or any anything that we're doing in the world now, right? Because the, the virus exists, it's not going away. Um, and so finding ways to mitigate that risk and to focus on what you can actually control in terms of the kids being at school. And so this would look like talking to the kids about you know, what they need to be doing at school and what kind of precautions they need to take and helping them understand why um, is really important. And then also um, making sure you are aware of what the school's doing because that's reassuring to know that you know they're going to do their best to keep your kids safe while they're in school as best mm-hmm. as they can. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's really all we can do is mm-hmm. you know do our best to take precautions to minimize our risk and our risk of our loved ones. And um, yeah, that, I think yeah. that's it. And take care of ourselves. Cool. Uh, Deborah DeCruz asks, when diagnosed, who should you tell about it? Because some people just don't understand it. I don't know if this is in reference to COVID or like a depression. So you can answer it however you'd want to answer it, Dr. Meyer. So I assume, I'm going to assume that it's about just being diagnosed with any type of mental health issue in general and how do you talk to other people about that. I think it's important to make sure that the people you're sharing this with are people you trust and people that you know care about you and want to help you manage things. Um, And in that regard, they might not fully understand, but people who care about us and want the best for us, they're going to try to understand. And I think that's the most important part is that, you know, someone is trying 
to understand, they're not going to get it right because mm. mental health, people don't always understand what that is, especially things like anxiety and depression. It doesn't make sense because sometimes it's irrational, right? Mm. Like, of course, that's not going to happen. Calm down. It's, it's fine. Um, but the people that you tell should be people that you trust to at least try to understand. And if they don't, right, you can choose whether you want to continue discussing that with them and how you want to proceed in that relationship. Wonderful. Uh, Torius asks, it seems that this pandemic has forced us to put our lives on hold for some time now while life is still happening. Should we try to live normally and adapt to the situation or are we right to wait and plan things when it gets better? This is a great question. I actually just um, posted about this on Instagram a couple of days ago because I think we've all said that. Like, you know, I can't wait to live my life again. Right? But we're going on month five. This is our life. Like we have almost had half a year in quarantine um, in a pandemic. So this is life, whether we whether it looks like what we would want it to look like or not. And so I think this is an opportunity for us to create the life that we want and to be able to put into practice some routines that are, will be important or some self-care practices and to really focus on what do we want life to look like when we can go back out and mingle with people without being so concerned. Because I think for a lot of us, it might look a little different than it looked like last year, which could be a good thing. Mm. The Weird says, I made the mistake of going for a walk without my mask and now I'm scared. Mm. Any advice you'd have for The Weird? Of course. So this is just like what we talked about earlier, like with the cognitive behavioral therapy, right? We would look at, of course it's scary to go somewhere without a mask, but also you have to look at the facts, which is, um, Probably we're outside. All the research shows that the risk of getting um, or transmitting coronavirus is less in outdoor space, right? And um, the amount of people that you passed and how close they were. I mean, all of these things come into play. And it's usually about you know directly encountering someone else and their droplets. Right? So passing someone in an outdoor space, the likelihood is pretty minuscule that you're going to contract coronavirus that way. So pushing back against the thought with some facts, with some scientific facts can help alleviate that fear and anxiety. Nice. Taj, I'm trying to give Todd a break unless he has something, but. No, I mean, this is really amazing. I think one of the things that I've just, one of the constants that I've heard is basically um, focus on what you can control in that way in terms of something out of your control, then it's not the energy that you put into it, it's not worth it in that way. And one of the things that I've been doing with this whole um, kind of being in quarantine is I've used it as an advantage of like, okay, what would I have done if I was stuck, you know, not being able to do anything, you know, and go out and all that stuff? What have I always wanted to do and said, oh, I didn't have the time to do it. And so I've, I've turned it as more of a positive in that way of like, now I'm able to do this, or I always wanted to get into this or that in that way and kind of tricked my mind into thinking, okay, this is an opportunity. And you kind of hinted at that in terms of, you know, in that way, but it's an opportunity to do certain things that you weren't able to do before in that way. So it's just my mindset has changed in that way. Love it. 
Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, so Elhun 1901 says, my school is going back to distance learning again this fall. I just wanted to say I really miss the social aspect of being in person. Any advice or suggestion for Elhun? I mean, I think that we're all really lamenting and missing the social aspect of doing anything in person, right? It's so different to be on screens, um, but in terms of getting some of that fulfilled, right? Finding creative ways to interact with people from a physical distance and maybe setting up with your closer community, you know, in a, in a park somewhere, you're all six feet apart and you can at least see some humans in person without risk of um, contracting Corona. But I think that finding ways to still be social while physical distancing is important. And I wish that we would have started off with the term physical distancing instead of social distancing. Mm. But um, it is what it is now we're saying social distancing. That's a good we, point. We need that's social. A, that's a great point, Dr. Meyer. I never thought about that. But yeah, physical distance, distancing is, is the proper term. Yeah. Um, another great question from Caitlin. Do you think children should do therapy? If so, what is a good age to start? Children can benefit from therapy, especially if you're noticing that your child is having like maybe worries or they're having a hard time being alone. Like they're wanting to follow the parents everywhere. They, they can't be by themselves. Um, or even just expressing what we call catastrophizing thoughts like, oh no, mommy, what if you die? Like, what if you get in a car crash, right? Those, those aren't normal things for kids to necessarily worry about. And so that would be a good indication that they could benefit from therapy and learning how to balance their thoughts and to manage their anxieties um, in terms of what age to start. So I work with kids in therapy also, but I personally don't see anyone under the age of five, only because before the age of five, you know, the verbal skills aren't as developed they don't necessarily understand as much, but there are certainly therapists who specialize in early childhood development and can work with kids as young as one on um, all kinds of issues. So there's really not an age that's too early to start. So it just depends on what your child is going through. Love it. Okay, and then I'm gonna do one quick comment, which is beautiful to see. Nicole says, I was depressive for years, but didn't want to accept it. I, to the point I had to choose, do I live or do I die? I've chosen life and began a therapy which has saved my life. I found the good therapist at first or at last, I think she's saying. So I think this lends to the point you made earlier, Dr. Meyer, where you have to maybe shop around or see different therapists and, and see who you're connecting with and who you feel you're going to benefit from. Um, is that right? Yes, exactly. Perfect. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. So the final set of questions before I give you, I warned you before I give you your, your 30 seconds to a minute, but first of all, you offer teletherapy for those who live in certain States. So California, New York, Massachusetts, Arizona, New Jersey. Is that right? Did I miss any states? No, I think you got them all. Okay. <laughs> and teletherapy, I assume, is basically via Skype, Zoom, or something like that. Right. Yes. It's basically just a HIPAA-compliant video platform so that we can do therapy online. And in fact, even if you 
lived next door to my office, we're still doing online therapy. So yeah. it's it doesn't you. matter where you live. Um, most people are only doing online just because it, it's a risk to clients yeah. and us. And we don't want to expose anyone to unnecessary risk. Exactly. And are you accepting new clients? I have to ask to make sure if someone wants to have you as a therapist or a, a psychologist, are you accepting uh, new clients? Yes, definitely. As I Perfect. tell everyone, we're psychologists are in a weird field because our whole job is to work ourselves out of the job. Because you know we don't want someone to be in therapy forever, right? Mm -hmm. They come to therapy to work on something, and then we work on it, and. They might choose to stay and work on other things, but when they feel better, time to go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then for someone who's thinking about maybe pursuing therapy, they finally realize it's something that, should, that maybe they should try, what would you tell them uh, to expect during for that very first session? In the first session, when you meet with a new therapist, they're probably going to go over procedures and their policies but also they're going to find out a little bit more about you and what you're hoping to get out of therapy. And it can be a really great time for you to ask the therapist questions, right? If you are interviewing the therapist just as much as they are sort of interviewing you because both of you need to know if this is going to be a good fit and whether you can work together. Um, and sometimes that's pretty obvious after one session. And sometimes you might realize that after two or three and think like, yeah, this just isn't, working and i think that's important to tell the therapist right like i it just doesn't feel like a good fit and i'm, I'm not going to continue um and therapists aren't offended like at the end of the day we want someone to get the help that they need whether it's with me or someone else it doesn't necessarily matter as long as the person's getting what they need out of therapy and I saw one more question that I thought was just great. So I have to ask it from our community. Uh, Carolina wants to know, what do you do when you feel like everything is out of your control? That's a great question. And I think that even that sometimes can be a representation of our anxiety because there's nothing, there's always something in our control, right? Even if it's just like, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to do for the next 20 minutes? Like there, there are small things in our control, even if it feels like, you know, the whole world at this moment is out of our control because, you know, socio, sociopolitically things are kind of weird, pandemic. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And so it can get very overwhelming fast. But when, if we can stay in the moment and focus on right now, then those things are in our control. Love it. All right, Dr. Meyer. Uh... Taj, unless there was something else you wanted to add, are you are you good with closing and giving Dr. Meyer her time to to educate us or tell us what she wants yeah. to talk about? Of course, yeah, I have a, I have a crying baby in the background, so I, <laughs> I muted it. So that's okay. why, that's why I'm so silent. But All yeah. right, Dr. Meyer, uh, thirty seconds up to a minute, whatever you want to talk about. Let us, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. I think what I want to talk about is related to this whole coping with COVID, and that's this idea that you know we've all seen it on social media or other places where people are like becoming amazing bakers or they're making they're writing a book or they're like it just seems like they're knocking it out of the park right like they are using quarantine to like take over the world and i think it's really important to push back against that because that is not the norm like that is that's weird you, you do not need to write a book right now 
right? Right now, if all we do is survive a pandemic and stay healthy, like that is an accomplishment, right? This is all that we need to do at the moment is just survive. We don't need to be in the most amazing shape at the end of this. We don't need to lose 20 pounds because we're in quarantine. It, none of that really matters at the end of the day, right? The most important thing is that we were safe and healthy and we survived. Um, I love it. And would you say that, are you kind of saying that because you're seeing a lot of people beat themselves up because of things they're not doing because they're seeing on social media, certain people are doing things, are accomplishing things, and it makes you feel even worse during this time? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's related to, I think that like perfectionism and then also just this idea of in general, our society values productivity and accomplishments and achieving things. And so um, it can feel really unusual to have extra time on our hands where we can't go do things that we would usually do. And it seems like we should use that productively Mm. or channel that in a good way instead of just like, there's a lot of feelings. I mean, this Mm. is trauma. This is a trauma. We are all experiencing a collective trauma. Um, And we have to be really gentle and compassionate on ourselves that that takes a lot of energy and to deal with all the emotions that comes with the things that we're grieving and the things we miss and what's changing. And I mean, it's a lot. And I think that um, add in the sociopolitical climate, I mean, there's just so much. And I think we really need to all um, myself included, we need to be a little bit easier on ourselves that we don't have to, be these um, computer, these machines that are just like producing amazing things right now. Just, we just need to survive. Love it. Well, th- there you go, everyone. Uh, Dr. Meyer, thank you for joining The Power of Love and speaking to not only Taj and I, but our entire community. Um, we've been wanting to have a licensed uh, psychologist on, and I think we had a, a couple on years ago, but it's been a while. So we want to thank you for joining us. For everyone out there who wants to learn more about Dr. Meyer, make sure you go to her website, www.drmeier.com. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Meyer, and helping us deal our cope with COVID. To everyone else out there, we will be back next Wednesday at one o'clock. Thank you so much for watching The Power of Love.